Hello, and welcome to No Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. And occasionally video games that are related to those things. Like today, because today we're talking about the Elder Scrolls. Yay. The massive Bethesda-owned IP of fantasy shenanigans. Primarily an open-world RPG video game series, but also a bunch of other spin-off video game series, and a tabletop war game. Yay. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Troy. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ed, who is definitely not a, uh, I don't know, an elf in disguise here. Uh, yeah, my name's Ed. My pronouns are they and them, and I used to play Skyrim until I took an arrow to the knee. Oh, did someone steal your sweet roll? Yeah, it was it was clearly marked in the fridge. Well, too bad. Um, this is why this is why the thieves guild needs a better HR representative. I mean, I uh, yeah. I think the thieves guild HR representative is Medik the liar. Uh, he's, he's I don't of- know him. Oh, he's the Khajiit NPC who wanders around the map and has various weird fourth wall breaking uh, dialogue options. <laughs> he um, has wares if you have coin. No, he's not one of the merchants. Um, he he just walks around. And he's like, "Oh, what's so great about shouting? I can shout all I want." <laughs> or um, just stuff like that. And there's been one of them in pretty much all every game. Good times. Um going back through the series there's always somebody there's always a Khajiit wandering around named medic the liar do not believe his lies well sometimes his lies are actually deep truths about the universe that you're in um that's neither here nor there uh maybe the dragons weren't gone they were just invisible and very very quiet it's possibility Um, But before we talk about The Elder Scrolls, we have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about our weekend hobby. It's a pretty self-explanatory name. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Due to a combination of holiday and various people being gone for weddings, I only had one D&D session this week. Um, Well, game session. It wasn't D&D. It's Lancer. Yeah! We did session one of my Lancer campaign. The players have joined a mercenary company known as the Iron Tax, that's T-A-C-K-S, um, and were sent and were sent along with several other units of that mercenary company to deal with a bandit uprising on a like world on the edge of Union space. Um, they before the drop, they had like a mission briefing with the lead commander and then there was a thing where like all the units would hang out the night before a drop and there's a thing about them rookie units having to acquire a big iron ring like like a foot across kind of big thing um from one of the other units or else the drop will be unlucky um which gave them a chance to role play and like learn about the other members of the mercenary company uh they managed to do it by engaging in a cooking contest 
with uh, one of the other mercenary units. Or one of the other squads of uh, mech pilots. The, the options were like some sort of physical contest, some sort of technical contest, and some sort of social contest. And they went for social and I was like, cooking. So This they, is mech engine block chicken. Um, they managed to whip something up using a collection of MREs and some potatoes they found in a bucket. Did they have a rock or something to uh, hold up their, their MRE heater? I mean, they're on a spaceship, so probably like a spoon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they took the components out of the MREs and cooked them very well. That was um, a that was a deep cut army joke there. Yes, I've heard weird things. Um, perhaps they got the uh, the package of Skittles that comes in that one MRE. Um, I don't remember if Skittles are supposed to be unlucky or not. I know charms are unlucky, as are the hot dogs. Yes. Um, and I've heard that the Chili Mac is the best MRE. Uh, I think so. I can't remember. Yes, whatever. Um, the, the Essentially, they rolled poorly to acquire ingredients, but then rolled really well when it came time to actually cook, um, allowing them to, you know, make a meal that passed and won them the ring. Um, so, yeah, they, they got that. They then dropped onto the planet and were, you know... They had a specific mission to break through enemy lines and rescue a scientist for one of the big organizations in the universe. Um, so that that's essentially their mission, is to punch through enemy lines, locate the scientist, and then, you know, call for extraction. Um, they hit the enemy lines, and they did not... Things have... Combat hasn't finished. Combat takes a longer time because it's very tactical and they're still getting used to stuff. Um, But they also decided that rather than just like punching through and running for the exit, they were going to try and wipe out the enemy forces. And this has not gone well so far, especially because they've kind of split their fire and each of them has chosen a different target. So, um, and, and also one of them who had a brilliant tactical plan rolled really bad when he fired his thermal lance to hit multiple targets and missed all but the most obvious one. I feel like they should have just taken the opportunity to run. I mean, they would have had to take out one or two people to get through. Um, But if they had focused their fire and, like, gone in in one group, they probably would have been able to do that. Instead, they spread out and have gotten uh, kind of whacked by a few different people at the same time. Sounds like they need an officer to help coordinate their fire. I mean, they've got a guy with the leadership skill who can order people to do things and give them bonus dice for doing it, sort of bardic inspiration style. But they, uh, yeah, have not done that. The hacker has hacked one target. The guy who flew forward with a thermal weapon fired at somebody else. Um, Another guy just walked right into the open and started blasting. And they keep getting hit by the infantry who have effectively javelins or rpg launchers and keep just whacking them with it and then like watch out for watch out for saint javelin yeah the the infantry just keeps shooting them and then hitting them and then laughing maniacally i mean the bandit infantry are having a great time i mean despite what video games would tell you 
infantry will really ruin armor's day if they get close enough. Yeah, and that has been the case, is the infantry have gotten close, and while infantry are incredibly fragile in Lancer, um, I mean, they have light cover always because they can duck behind small things, and you can't, and they only take half damage from weapon attacks that aren't like, uh, that don't have a template of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can fuck them up real bad because they only have like six hit points or something or like 10 mm-hmm. hit points and no armor to speak of. So yeah, you can just wreck infantry, but, uh, they, they haven't targeted them with enough stuff to do that. Good so, yeah. times. Yeah, that, that's ongoing. It should be fun. We'll finish that, and they'll learn a little more about the motivation of these bandits. And what the hell is a, is the saint? Um, uh, saint Javelin. Already said it. No, no, the saint is... Uh, it turns out... It's going to turn out that these bandits have actu- are actually sort of been riled up by the Onic Ascendancy, which is a religious theocracy from beyond union space that is invading some worlds locally um and there is a small fleet and they'll discover that the scientist they're looking for is part of a deep skywatch program that spotted a fleet headed their way a small fleet like three ships so act two of their like mission two will be defending the city and then mission three will be going into space to board and destroy one of those ships. The last place where capitalism has not taken hold. Space! Yes. Well, remember, Lancer Union is um, a Star Trek fully automated luxury space communist society. So uh, there's no capitalism in their space. But are they are they totalitarian statists though? Not anymore. Uh, they were under the second committee, but they the, when those totalitarian statists started doing genocides, uh, there was a coup slash revolution, and um, the ones committing genocides were put on trial and or executed, and the new group that came over had more of a human rights focus. I guess states, bad, human rights, good, does not compute with anarchism. I don't know. Yeah, they they aren't anarchists. They're very much uh, organizational states, but you kind of have to be when you're trying to establish post-scarcity shenanigans across hundreds of planets and maintaining links between those planets via blink space gates and faster than light omninet communications. I don't I don't know it, how to shove my anarchism into this world. It there you can have a maybe planet it, that maybe is it's, anarchists, but maybe it's a utopian world where anarchism is no longer needed. Could be. I mean, you could have a planet where the like local stuff is utopian anarchism. But the overall union is not anarchist. Dual power. Like, that local one could be totally, could be anarchists and also members of union. But, you know. As long as it's voluntary, that, I mean, that works out. 
it, it's generally voluntary to join union unless you are like a totalitarian slave state in which case no fuck you they will stomp you down and you know make you do human rights gonna get wrecked yes the uh we will talk about lancer in a future episode it is one of the most interesting and i like it politically they are it's the star trek federation with teeth stop trying to make my games political <laughs> they they have explicitly trans characters in the game art yas so uh yeah that tells you that they are good for many things feed um, me that representation yeah they they do not care about being called woke or anything they're <clears throat> they are explicitly leftist yeah i mean remember the their organization that runs everything is called union it's one big union wobblies yes this is the universe where the IWW retained all their power. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, why not? Um, and then I pretty much didn't have any other major hobby stuff except for one game on Tabletop Simulator. Well, that's not true. I played a game of Blood Bowl. Uh, Ogres versus Chaos. Um, um, that sounds hilarious and painful. It was. Uh, Ogres won one nothing. Wow. That was not the outcome I was expecting. Um, both of them were fairly low-level teams. Um, the Ogres... The Ogres had a couple of Ogres who had leveled up in a previous game, so one of them had Block and the other had Guard, mm. which is a terrifying combination um, because it meant that my, my opponent just could not throw reasonable blocks against ogres. Yeah, I mean, that's something I wouldn't try anyway. Yeah. And, but uh, once you've got the block in there, it's like, yeah, just don't even do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So the ogres kind of managed to stomp down the field and defend the Noblars enough that they scored a single touchdown and then everything else was just slug fests in the middle of the mat in the middle of the uh thing that's funny like it, it was entirely entirely mess like a silly mess that's blood Although bowl. my opponent managed to make almost every single dodge roll he tried which was ludicrous yeah noblar is there uh they're small they're small and twitchy and fast, but they have strength one, so they are useless when it comes to actually throwing blocks. <laughs> um, Watch me, guys. I'm going to block him. Splat. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, there was a game on TTS, but I think I'll let you talk about that. So take hey, it away. We're sticking on the theme of big robots, and we played a beginner demo version of Battletech. Um, I don't remember which, like, edition of Battletech it is, because it seems like it's the there's current several one. of them. Th that was the current Quick Start box. Okay. Available yeah. at retailers everywhere. It's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's good and crunchy. Uh, I felt right at home with a lot of the old school mechanics, since Battletech is, like, one of the 
OG Hex Encounter miniature war games from back in the day. So all the tables and the charts and, you know, modifiers and things like that was very much familiar from my experience with historical war games. Uh, I've never actually played the original Battletech before. I've only ever played it through card game and or various video games. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a good one. For whatever reason, I prefer my war games to be kind of board gamey like that, as opposed to just, you know, throwing down models on the table. Um, I don't know what it is specifically, if it's like easier for me to see how the mechanics work. Um, but I feel like I just have a better time when it's a bit more regimented like that. Yeah, that one uh, was very close to the your Wolverine almost got my Griffin until I managed to put a what was it just a pile of missiles into your central torso? Yeah, you just got a whole bunch of missiles like into the torso and into the face in relatively short order. Yeah, and I was I was hoping to get a shot just right in the face because uh, that would have taken you out, but. My only shot that landed in the face didn't do enough damage. Yeah, just a little splattering of missiles across my cockpit. And I'm excited for the entire box set of Urban Mechs, because I think we both agree that the Urban Mech is the best mech. I wouldn't go that far, but it's in my top five. So I have a feeling that at some point we're going to be doing like an entire Urban Mech showdown and I'm going to have to print up a whole bunch of little uh, hexagonal city spaces oh, for no. our board. Urban Mech on Urban Mech violence. Yep. Yes. Uh, uh, please do print up a bunch of hex terrain for this. That sounds fantastic. After we finished last night, I actually did go on to uh, my mini factory, and there is so much stuff for Battletech. Oh, of course there is. So I love it. pretty much any mech that we could want, there's a lot of uh, 3D hex uh, stuff for us to use. Um, basically everything that makes the game better. So I, I don't know why I haven't put my 3D printer back together. I think maybe I'm just busy with other stuff and i'm like i have all this crap that still needs to be printed or not printed painted yeah so why print more stuff um if, but maybe once we get around to that i'll actually bother to put it back together yeah i mean if you want to print off a bunch of terrain and have me paint it we could also do it that way that is true i mean both right. of us could probably paint it because it's like six millimeter well not quite six millimeter but it's yeah. small and easy to paint and Terrain stuff like that, I'm usually much less finicky about painting just because it's like it's it's terrain. Nobody's exactly. really paying attention to it that much. Terrain. terrain. Like the Pull terrain up. that I'm painting right now. It looks a little bit funky, but I mean, honestly, who cares? It's an objective marker. Those look great. Thank you. Hopefully they look as good in person. Um, I've mostly got the effect that I'm looking for. The only real downside is that the uh, 3D printing, it's it's got a little bit of texture to it. Um, and so I didn't consider this when painting large sections of metallic. But all those little, like, dimples and rough spots show up uh, like the friggin' sun when you paint them with metallics just because of how the light catches it. Hmm. Um, but 
I think as I get better with 3D printing and the post-processing, I'll probably get stuff that looks a bit smoother. Or if I ever get like a really high resolution printer, um, they'll look a lot better. But like I said, they're terrain pieces. Nobody's nobody's really looking at them that hard. Um, what else did I do? I played a game of chess against my wife. It ended in a draw uh, when we both only had a king, a rook, and a pawn left. Um, neither of us, of us are very good at chess. Um, like I said, I've been painting. I feel like I did something else this week. Oh, uh, in board game adjacent activity, I guess, I started playing Warhammer 40,000 Bolt Gun on the Switch. Ah, boomer It's pretty awesome. Uh, it's, it's basically Doom, but if 40k, and they do a really good job of, like, the aesthetics of it, and you feel like a space marine, like the, uh, if you have the vibrations set on, the controller will vi vibrate with every step you take because you make the ground shake as you walk. Um, the generic chaos cultists just disintegrate into a red mist if you so much as look at them, which feels very appropriate. And then once you start fighting bigger things like demons or uh, chaos stuff, it gets more difficult because obviously they're horrific beings from beyond reality. Um, so far, the highlight of my game has been uh, chain sorting to death a chaos obliterator, which is like their equivalent of the Terminator. Yeah, so, that was pretty fun. If you're into old, old games or like old, old retro aesthetics, I'd check out Bolt Gun. It's fun. I'm pretty sure that's all I did this week. I can't yep. remember. Cool. So let's get into the topic of today. The Elder Scrolls series. Yay. So, as we mentioned, Elder Scrolls is... Well, it started as an open-world RPG, sort of. I mean, it's hard to call it... It was definitely an RPG. It was hard to call it an open-world RPG originally. Um, and we'll talk about some of the games specifically in a bit. But there's some basics about the setting. I mean, it's a fantasy world. Uh, most things take place on the continent of Tamriel within the Empire. Boo, Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skyrim is for the Nords and all that. No, it's not. The Nords are racist as shit. <laughs> oh, they are, yeah. Which is why I supported the Imperials in that conflict. Same. Um, I was very conflicted about it. My character was a dark elf. I went to go visit the uh, Stormcloaks once, found out how fucking racist they were, and was like, cool, nope, I'm gonna go join the Empire. <laughs> like, it, it was an immediately, like, I found out what their shit was like and was like, oh, oh, I'm not on this side. I'm on the other side. Goodbye. Um, but as we mentioned, there's racists in the setting, which means there are races. Uh, there's three distinct types of races, uh, called man, mare, and beast. Uh, man is humans, mare is the term for elves in the setting, and beasts are um, the ones that aren't humans or elves. My sweet Argonian boy! Yes. There's four distinct types of humans, four distinct types of elves, and two beast races that are playable. There's also a few others. Um, the humans are the Nords, who hail from the province of Skyrim and are basically Vikings. The Bretons, who hail from the province of Hyrock and are kind of 
magic like Celtic Celtic British magic ish. Uh, the Imperials, who are mostly from the province of Cyrodiil and are um, sort they're of like Renaissance Italian. Yeah, they're Renaissance Romans. Italians are uh, French, but they um, their armor and equipment tends towards a Roman aesthetic. Because, again, the the Empire is kind of Imperial Rome-esque. Um, and the Red Guard, who are Black, African-American-esque, um, and refugees from their own continent that Yikes. they destroyed. And then they settled in the province of um, da -da, Hammerfell. Um their, their lore is actually pretty cool, and we'll talk about that a little more when we get to the section on deep lore. Um, and then, of course, we get the elves. There's four distinct types of elves that you can play as. The Aldmer, the, who are high elves, essentially, uh, and are from the province... Well, not province, they're from the island of uh, Somerset, which is kind of off to the side on by its own thing. Um, I don't know if it's technically part of the Empire. It certainly goes to war with it later they're on their own island as elves tend to do yeah they're on their own island the island is kind of effectively like britain uk style thing compared to the europe that is the main uh continent area um the bosmer who are forest elves from the live in the province of valon wood and may or may not be cannibals um cool there's some questions about that. that. The Dunmer, Dark Elves, who live yeah. in the province of Morrowind, um, and used to be High Elves until they until they had shenanigans in their background and like changed skin colors uh, because they switched gods. Um, and then the Osmer, who you may also know as Orcs. Orcs, yes. I forgot orcs are elves in this that, setting. Yeah, orcs are just a type of elf. Again, they they look like they do, you know, with tusks and muscles and shit, because they switch gods. Um, and the god they switch to is kind of a jerk. <laughs> um, there's also the beast races, which are the Argonians, who are lizard folk, and we talked a bit yeah. about them in our previous episode on lizard folk, and the Khajiit, who are uh, cat people. Um, they have wares if you have coin. Yes, the there are like nomadic merchanty cat people. They each of them comes from their own province. The Argonians come from the Black Marsh province, and the Khajiit come from the Ilswere province. Um, I think the joke is that they come from elsewhere. That's what I assume the joke always was. Yes. Um, there are also two kind of lost races. The Falmer, or Ice Elves, who uh, went blind and are now, like, troglodyte cave people. Oh, is and that what... I didn't know that that's what those were. Uh, they called them Falmer. I just... I didn't know that they were a lost race. I just assumed they were, like, Morlocks. I mean, essentially, but they were Morlocks because of this next race, the Dwemer, who are, are also called the Dwarves. Even though they are Mesopotamian themed steampunk elves, we don't we don't talk about what happened to them. You'll isn't know that, what happened. Isn't that what they say? Uh, 
The shit that happened to them is explained in Morrowind. Um, they fucked around with an artifact called the Heart of Locron, and it... And found out. <laughs> and found out, yes. Their entire race got booted off this plane of existence. Um, the Falmer were slaves to the Dwemer. Boo! Yes, the Dwemer were not good. Uh, they, they had enslaved the Falmer, and in fact, they were planning to use the Heart of Locron to wipe out the Dunmer, who they were at war with at the time. Um... Yeah. And, uh, so, like, the fact that the Falmer had been slaved and then their masters got disappeared kind of led to them taking over underground shit, but not really developing a full-on civilization. Also, they've, probably some other weird shit happened. It's they've not literally gone. They've literally gone goblin mode. They have literally gone goblin mode, although there are goblins, but only in some games. Um, there are places, like, important places. The continent of Tamriel has eight provinces that, you know, sort of make up the Empire, plus Somerset Isle, which is the home of the High Elves. Uh, you have High Rock, which is sort of a... I'm not sure how to... It, it's like forests and, uh, Scottish, like, highlands kind of thing. It's where the Bretons are from. Hammerfell, which is plains and desert. It's the home of the Red Guard. Skyrim, the home of the Nords, which is, like, Nordic countries. Nordic. Like, it, it's got forests, it's got mountains, it's got snow all year round in large sections. There are bergs full of ice. Uh, Morrowind, which is the home of the Dunmer, which has, um, like, ash wastes and swamps and, uh... And is objectively the best province. Forests and plains. It has some of the most interesting art design of any of the provinces it has mushroom forests it has mushroom forests and mushroom houses like mushroom towers built by some of the wizard elves um the dunmer also practiced slavery but only of the beast folk races boo yeah again they're not really good guys um cyrodiil the center of the of the empire like center of the continent center of the empire and home of the imperials also, in old lore, was covered in jungle until the first emperor, Talos, like, fucked with reality to turn it into more of, like, pastoral Europe. I accidentally the jungle. Yes. Um, which also, like, was used to kind of explain away some lore inconsistencies. Retcons. Well, there's yeah. a there's a few things that are used to explain away lore inconsistencies, and they're all kind of tied into the universe, the structure of the universe. Um, Black Marsh, as we mentioned, home of the Argonians, is swampy and full of poisonous things, and is uh, only kind of loosely a province of the Empire, mostly because the Argonians couldn't go out and do shit without agreeing to work with the Empire. Um. They kind of run their own shit, and aside from the occasional Dunmer slave raid, um, they they don't get up to much. They, they should get up to more. They have fought the Dunmer quite a bit over this. Um, slavery is illegal in all other parts of the Empire. But the, the treaty that brought the Dunmer in allowed them to keep it. Boo. That's and that's how you got to the Civil War. 
No, that has nothing to do with the Skyrim Civil War. <laughs> um, it has everything to do with the fact that um, the province of Morrowind had three living gods hanging out in it. Um, and Yeah, that's a problem. And so bringing them in via treaty rather than going to war with three living gods was a smart move. Um, Nothing like making treaties with gods. Yeah. Uh, Wood, home of the Bosmer Wood Elves. It's, you know, it's classic elf forest place, except the elves may or may not be cannibals. Um, elsewhere, the home of the Khajiit is sort of uh, desert-ish. Um, I, there hasn't really been anything set there, so I don't know the specific stuff. Uh, I the thought Orcs, Elder Scrolls Online went to elsewhere. Yeah, I, I I have not played Elder Scrolls Online or looked super heavily into it because it's of questionable canon as, uh, like, it, it's questionable as to how canon it is. Um, Fair enough. The Orcs don't have their own kingdom until they sort of get one, but that happens in the Daggerfall game and during an event called the Warp in the West, where the game's five endings are condensed into one where everything happens at the same time. Oh no. We'll get there. Um, so they have their own tiny little kingdom, but they're also fairly nomadic and so have like settlements in all the other provinces. And they get really annoyed when I walk up to their front gate. Yeah, but they don't do anything if you, like, go inside. They're just like, oh, this is an orc settlement. We don't actually have any vendors. And you're like, oh. Um, so, some sky, some deep lore for the Elder Scrolls games. Uh, the creation of the universe is actually explained in pretty good depth. Um, suffice it to say that there... There were various planes of existence, and one of them, and on one of them, some spirits were like, "Hey, we should make like a physical world. Wouldn't that be sweet?" Sweet and, material plane. And and so a group of them got together and did it, uh, including like the primary architect was named Locron. Uh, there was also a guy named uh, a spirit named Magnus, and a number of others, including uh, eight important ones who became the eight divines. Uh, we'll get to Talos. Talos is separate. I was going to say, wait, aren't there nine divines? There's eight of them that were like spirit entities that per that assisted in the creation of the world. And then there are nine... Did uh, these are known as Adriac entities. Or, um, Adri no. Essentially, they're deities that cr performed actions to help create the world. Um, and then later... One that had sort of been involved, but wasn't a big name, uh, came down and, like, assisted a human in doing some shit and founding the Empire and also, like, fixing up some loose edges that the primary, that the previous eight had left and Whoops, reinforcing uh, the world. And that's some, Talos. I gotta do some hot fixes on your reality here in a second. Yeah, basically. Um, Talos and some stuff with him was basically doing some hot patches to fix reality and because of that became one of the divines um, not everyone agrees that that happened the elves don't like it there's reasons for that that we're not actually going to get into that because it gets real weird um, and so the world or the, the like realm of Mundus which is there's got carved out 
there are other realms. There's the realm of Aetherius, which is where the spirits had come from and is just a plane of pure magic. Um, and the realms of Oblivion, which are... like Terrifying. Which is where the Dedria, which are powerful spirit entities who are somewhat hostile to living beings, live. Uh, depending on the individual one, they are they each have sort of a different aspect of things that they deal with. Some of them are actually kind of friendly. Many of them are not. Uh, some of them are just straight-up villains in the games. Some of them are just crazy people. Um, but, uh, yeah. Also, worth noting, the sun is not a star. It is a hole punched through the firmament into the realm of Aetheris, which is pure magic. And so it is just, like, um, it just radiates pure magical energy into the world, which is bright light. I knew that was true of the stars. I didn't know about the sun, though. Oh, yeah, no, the sun was caused by one of the big spirits who, at, like, the last minute was like, you know what? This place seems done, seems dumb. I'm leaving, and punched a giant hole on their way out. <laughs> um, a number of, like, weaker spirits were like, yeah, no, I think that guy has the right idea, and so they formed the stars as they punched their way out of the universe. That's funny. Um, so yeah, the sun is not a star. It is a portal directly to the to the realm of raw magic, and uh, dumps your magic your universe is universe bad, and you should feel bad. Yeah, there's some weird shit. Um, there is a concept called sh chim or kim. It's spelled C H I M. It is always presented in uppercase, where uh, certain entities have the ability to. Recognize that they are, in fact, it's essentially existential recognition of your own existence within the framework of the world. Oh no! And and, and is oftentimes sort of said that they essentially get access to console commands. <laughs> um, it it's. Uh, Vivek, who is one of the living gods in the Morrowind game, is said to have achieved it. Talos is said to have achieved it, um, which explains to some extent what his, like, how he could do the shit that he did and why all the stories about him are so inconsistent. Because he was, uh, save scumming, essentially. Good um, times. It's also sometimes an explanation for why the character can stop time and eat 12 wheels of cheese. <laughs> um, is that I they... always wondered about that. It's like, hold on, hold on a second. I know you're, I know you're just absolutely beating my ass, but I'm just going to inhale all this cheese. Yes, because eating food heals you. So stopping time to eat 12 wheels of cheese is a good way to get some health back. And uh, lighten your load because those wheels of cheese are heavy. They are, but they heal a lot of hit points, so it's worth it. Um, yeah, so, you know, achieving this sort of understanding of your place in the universe and stuff like that, uh, there's some really interesting lore regarding that. Um, yeah, that, that's, uh, oh boy. So, with some of that weird deep lore and a little bit of setting understanding, let's go through the games. 
Uh, I own first... all of them. I have played three. I have finished none. I'm just going to talk about the mainline games here. <laughs> uh, Arena, released in 1994. The box art is uh, questionable. In the center of it is a woman wearing classic female armor and holding a katana. I'm sorry, an Akavari sword. Uh, because there is another continent off somewhere that we never get to see that is sort of Asia. I mean, that sounds about right for when the game came out. Yeah, it's real. I mean, it is a very skimpy set of female armor. It's basically a bikini and, like, lingerie. Thanks, Boris Vallejo. Yeah. Um, but a it, non-ironic thanks for your paint. Yes, Vallejo paint is good. Uh, the game world was randomly generated outside of 17 important dungeons, and areas would reset after a character leaves, so you couldn't actually clear anything. Oops. Uh, it was also incredibly buggy initially. You could not beat it initially. You, you had to wait for patches. So nothing has really changed <laughs> in the <laughs> I mean, years. It's a classic Bethesda moment, isn't it? Uh, the plot was essentially that you were sent on a series of fetch quests to assemble the various pieces of an item called the Staff of Chaos and use it to defeat the evil battle mage Yagar Tharn, who had seized control of the Empire and, like, trapped the Emperor somewhere and was pretending to be him. It, it's not particularly polished in either the graphics or gameplay elements, uh, but it did do fairly well, um, especially once they fit fixed all the bugs and started coming out with like a game of a like complete edition CD of it. This is the edition you can finish. Yes. Which is why two years later, the game Daggerfall came out 1996, a smaller world actually set in the provinces of high rock and Hammerfell. I had a lot of political intrigue um, because there were a bunch of different factions you could join and a lot of, stuff going around there were orcs there were necromancers you were working for the imperial blades and you were everything was trying to find the um namidium which was an ancient and powerful war machine with like incredible eldritch powers um and depending on what player actions and stuff it had five different endings uh where either the empire is rebuilt or the orcs get a kingdom of their own or the necromancer gets control of the thing and, like, blows up everybody he doesn't like or some other things that can happen. Um, however, the activation of the war machine warps the universe so that all the endings sort of happen at the same time as far as future games are concerned. That's funny. Um, this event is called the Warp in the West in, like, in-game lore and books. Um, again... As with the previous game, a lot of the content was procedurally generated outside of, like, eight important dungeons. Um, so while the area it covered was huge, it was very, very samey looking. Like, all the same assets for every town, for every person, for every dungeon, for every hill that you climbed over and saw the same tree. Hmm, sounds like uh, playing Oblivion. Oh, burn! It was much worse because <laughs> they only had like three trees um but the next game came out in 2002 was morrowind yes and they, and they took that complaint of how samey and procedurally generated everything was and were like okay 
we will make everything by hand specifically and uh, make it less generic fantasy. And holy shit, it paid off. Um, it's honestly one of the most unique art direction and settings of any of these games. Um, it's set in the island of Vavodenfell in the Morrowind province, uh, where you get into the lore and history of the Dark Elves. The player is the reincarnation of the Neverine, a prophesied hero who is supposed to slay Dagoth Ur and end the Ash Blight curse that is poisoning the land from the volcano of Red Mountain. Um, it's got a very different flavor from standard fantasy tropes with giant mushroom houses, uh, stilt strider insects that cross the swamps, um, just all sorts of stuff. Uh, people like farming insects and yeah, all sorts of just weird and interesting stuff. Oh, and of course the living god Vivek who remembers the previous incarnations of the hero and offers confusing advice and cryptic ant antidotes. Um, also has access to console controls and makes co comments about like the nature of the game. Um, In general, when it comes to the Elder Scrolls series, I have this weird feeling where I feel like I'm playing like a store brand uh, fantasy game. And a lot of times I'm like, I don't know. I kind of wish I was actually playing this style of game, but D&D &D, as opposed to the Elder Scrolls universe. Yep. But I really, really like Morrowind because it's so different and there, I don't think there really has been a fantasy game that feels as different since. I'm sure there are. I can't think of any big name games that have managed to stick that this is such a different fantasy world thing. The only one that I can really think of maybe would be like Nier, where it feels kind of like this weird hybrid of like fantasy with like a little bit of sci-fi and then later on it gets revealed it's like oh no you're actually in like a post-apocalyptic civilization that was once extremely technologically advanced but is now essentially back in the middle ages yeah um yeah. but um, it's really hard to compare morrowind to anything else and those bastards at bethesda need to get off their asses and do a remaster of it and stop releasing skyrim every five minutes and Todd Howard looks down and whispers, no. No. <laughs> um, Morrowind was followed uh, up in 2006 with Oblivion. I'm pretty sure my GPA went down when I started playing Oblivion. Oh, mine definitely did. Because um, that was the first year of college. Um, I kept remember saying, I don't need it. I don't need to play Oblivion. I don't need it. I have Morrowind. <laughs> Yeah, so Oblivion has some impressive things. It really cranked up the graphics, yep. like, totality. The draw distance went from being strictly limited by fog in Morrowind to being incredibly far. And you get this pretty early in the game where you climb to the top of a, to a monastery at, like, the top of a mountain and can look down and see across huge swaths of the map. It felt like one of the first, like, graphically modern video games that I remember playing. Yes. Um, however, 
it had some drawbacks. The first being... It's boring. <laughs> it's very boring. The primary plot is a big fetch quest, or a series of fetch quests. Um, the character models are kind of rubbery. They're derpy. And derpy. Um, and a lot of the cool things from Morrowind got taken away. Like um, the ability to fly. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that Morrowind has levitation and flight spells and Oblivion does not. And it doesn't have them because it gates the city zones inside of walls. All the cities have giant walls around them that you can't get over or through unless you go through the main gates. This is done to reduce load times, but also it's really fucking annoying. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, I'm guessing there's likely a programming reason for that. Oh yeah, load times. You can have separate instances inside each of the cities that load up all the NPCs and stuff, and then fewer loading screens outside in the zones, like when you're wandering the wilds. Morrowind was pretty bad for, like, random loading screens when you're walking around out in the woods. <laughs> yes, it was. Or even, like, walking between cities. Uh, walking between sections of a city it would, like, throw up a loading bar in the bottom, bottom and freeze you. Early 2000s games had a lot of problems with load times. Yep. Um, not so much anymore if you have to, if you play Oblivion on a modern system. It just goes right. Uh, play Oblivion or Morrowind on a modern system. They're, <laughs> load times aren't a thing compared these <laughs> days for, the, for old games. Um, the primary plot is that the world, the, the Emperor dies due to a cult assassinating him he's voiced no by captain picard he's voiced by patrick stewart um and you are charged with finding his long lost heir and protecting them as the cult opens portals to the plane of oblivion and the force the demonic forces of maroon's dagon the prince of destruction pour out and fight you it's very like i said it's very generic fantasy um the plane of oblivion looks like hell and the demons look like demons um and, and the plot which i completely ignored for 200 hours yes and the plot is pretty straightforward um some of the side quests are are actually pretty decent um the thieves guild mostly yeah that's a good one the thieves guild is good uh the fighters guild is okay the mages guild is weak um the Assassin's Guild is good. Yep, I like uh, I like the Dark Brotherhood. That's a yeah. that's a fun one. Um, although, again, compared to Morrowind, it suffers because Morrowind had more factions. Yep. And um, because it had the Fighters Guild, the Thieves Guild, the Mages Guild, and the Dark Brotherhood, but it also had the local like gang syndicate and the local Assassin's Guild. Um, and three different houses that you could work for. And joining certain factions would prevent you from advancing in other factions because they were at odds with each other. Um, you could not go them. too far in the Thieves' Guild and also in the Fighters' Guild because they were, they were you know, working at different purposes. They had to make a lot of sacrifices to make Oblivion look pretty. Yes. Uh dialogue was another one because it's fully voiced which means the dialogue is not nearly as interesting as the like text that's written in morrowind so i don't know if this is from me 
being a neurodivergent person, but I very much prefer large blocks of text uh, in my game as opposed to full voice acting. And that's one of the things that I also love about Morrowind is that you have just these gigantic blocks of text where there's like whole, you know, exposition dumps rather than just a five second clip of conversation. Yes. Oblivion also updated with like the compass that tells you where to go and the um, like fast travel to any location you've ever been system, which Morrowind did not have. Uh, I found that it kind of broke the game a little bit, though. It, it definitely made the game feel a lot less connected. Um, and then that leads us to 2011, specifically November 11th, 2011. A date Sky that will live in infamy. <laughs> a date with a lot of 11s, so it's easy to remember. Skyrim was released. You're awake. And again. Good. You almost made it over the border before they caught us. Um... Players become the Dragonborn and save the province of Skyrim from the return of the dragons, led by Alduin, the ancient dragon whose coming will end the world, question mark? He's either going to conquer it or end it. Um, perhaps Alduin is also the dragon Akatosh, who rules, who is one of the Edria and is in charge of time. He's very magical. As dragons uh, tend to be. Also, it's set 400 years in the future from the previous three uh, previous games, all of which were set in like a 50-year period. Didn't I mean, know that. Or less. They're all set with the same emperor. Hmm. Uh, the emperor that gets uh, like hidden away by the battle mage in Arena is the one that dies in Oblivion. Hmm. Um, it's all in the same time period for the previous games. Uh, this jumps ahead an entire era. Um... And, you know, you've got to deal with the dragons. You've got to run around the province of Skyrim, which is very pretty. The graphics are fantastic. Yep. Um, some of the systems have been simplified a little just to make it easier on people playing consoles, which is eh, not not the best. Uh, you, uh, in addition to not being able to fly like in Morrowind, you can no longer create your own spells like you could in Oblivion. So, magic kind of sucks now. Yeah. Um, that I have heard, said, like, the in-universe explanation for that is that, like, the Nords aren't really that into magic. This is even true. You don't necessarily have to play a Nord. Yeah, but the place you learn magic is the College of Winterhold, and even they aren't that good at it. it they're, they're like, one of those, uh... It's a community like, college. Mail order. Yeah, community college. It's the Community College of Magic. Um, it has a half, a pretty decent main plot because you do, you are the center of attention. You are running around. It's less fetch quests and more go kill some dragons. Um, Which is good. and the abilities you get from fighting dragons are quite fun. Um, honestly, I always forget about the dragon shouts about 90% of the time I'm playing. Oh, see, I, I do not, but my playstyle is very different from yours probably. Um, the side quests are also tend to, tended to be pretty solid. Uh, yeah. the Thieves Guild questline is good. The Assassin's Guild, or the Dark Brotherhood questline is good. The Fighters Guild, the Companions questline is 
pretty cool. You're trying to break the curse of them being werewolves. Spoiler alert for a game that's more than 10 years old and has been remade <laughs> countless times. Um, the Major Skilled one starts cool, but then gets a little clunky partway through. Um, I've joined every guild. Yes. Uh, the the civil war between the Imperials and the... Um, uh, what do they call them? The Stormcloaks yep. is interesting. Um, it's a little annoying that you can't like go in and assassinate someone. You have to do the quest lines for it. Lame. Um, and their primary quest lines are just big fights. But... You know, it is interesting because it causes changes to the world. Like, it replaces who's in charge of certain cities. And uh, once you have a big battle in one of the cities, like, battle damage shows up because they've been flinging stuff back and forth into it. Um, sadly, you cannot soul trap the leader of either side when you execute them. Damn. I have tried. Um, It'd be a powerful soul. I mean, it would be a standard like human soul which requires a black soul gem um but yeah it, it's a solid game you can play it on anything literally anything i have played at least a couple of hundred hours of it uh i've bought it for multiple systems at one point i was playing it under the mod it till it breaks philosophy and yes. then it came out on switch and even with uh, the peculiarities of the Switch edition, it's the one that I've put by far the most time into, because, I mean, it's friggin' Skyrim on a handheld. That's that's witchcraft. I bought an Xbox 360 to play this game. Um, I bought an Xbox 360 to play Street Fighter 4. I still have that Xbox 360 and my original save file from 2011. I think I probably still have my save file however i do not have the game i donated that to goodwill uh i think when i got the pc version because at the, the time game. my pc was not strong enough to play uh skyrim i have the game specifically the re like pre-order release edition that has the map of skyrim yeah son that is sitting over by my xbox um yeah so yes i played a lot of skyrim too there's I, no such thing as a little bit of Skyrim, as a co-worker and I used to joke. Yeah. Of course, there's also the Elder Scrolls Online. It's one of the currently successful MMOs of the modern era. It, Warcraft, um... Old Republic. Those are like the big Republic, three. I think, yeah. Are the, like, currently... Like, have more than a thousand people online per day kind of thing. I guess RuneScape theoretically yeah um, but I, I i haven't played it i don't have any interest in doing so i'm not an mmo person um it's also a questionable canon as far as the rest of the games are concerned because mmos have to crank out lots of content to keep people interested and so it doesn't really fit the storylines and stuff of the other games as well consume content again this is not a game podcast about mmos so uh, you'll have to find one of those because I'm sure. What is this? Two thousand seven. Yes, uh, there's also Elder Scrolls Legends, which is an online TCG similar to Hearthstone or the online Magic: The Gathering or 
Gwent. Gwent used to be good. Now it sucks. Deal I with know, it. I know nothing about Legends other than it is an obvious cash grab to get Bethesda money from that uh, online TCG market. Yep. Uh, I haven't... In- uh, maybe I... I think I did try and play it and was immediately like, no, this sucks. Yeah, it, it looks... It looks very cash grabby. You you do a lot of weird things when you work the night shift for 12 hours and you have nothing to do and you're like, huh, Elder Scrolls card game might be worth a look. Nope. Yeah, sadly, it's not a physical card game, so we can't really, like, really dig into it. Like, maybe it might be worth doing if it was good, which it doesn't seem to be. Um, which leads us, of course, to the tabletop and uh, war game section. Call to Arms by Mophidius Games, released in 2019, 2020, I think. Is Something like that. an interesting concept. Uh, it uses custom dice, because Mophidius always does. And is fairly similar to the Fallout Wasteland Warfare game, because, again, it's from Bethesda, and Mophidius snagged the license for both of them. Um, the Fallout game is... A, we'll do a Fallout episode at some point as well. Um... Uh, the Call to Arms has some strong single-player elements, which I think is perhaps the most interesting thing about it, is that you can run, like, dungeons and fights and stuff as a single-player against, um, NPC enemies. I want Um, the miniatures, and that's about where my interest ends. The miniatures are well-designed. They're, um, they're very reflective of the Skyrim look, because it is... I mean, it's called Elder Scrolls Call to Arms, but it's Skyrim, the tabletop game. It does not have content outside of Skyrim. Uh, so you can get bandits, stormcloaks, imperials, uh, various monsters, including the undead and some of the dwarf machineries and like giant spiders and stuff. Um, the big problem is I think the miniatures are too expensive and the rules are too clunky. Yep. Um. Also, the miniatures are slightly... They're at, like, 30 mil scale. So while they're detailed, they're a little large to match up with other standard fantasy miniatures. Boo. Uh, meaning they don't really work great for, like, D&D games. Um, that being said, it is still currently supported and releasing new content. So if you're interested in a war game with custom dice and strong single-player content then uh, Call to Arms is a more expensive version of Rangers of Shadowdeep. That's incredibly surprising that it's still supported. I would never have guessed that. I think that there's a market for the miniatures. Yeah, I mean, is what's the Dragonborn on. miniature looks kind of cool. Yeah, and some of the other ones they've released look pretty cool. I want to make a white run guard with an arrow in his knee. That's probably a con exclusive release. Um, I mean, if they were smart, it would be. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, but that's that might be the official tabletop Elder Scrolls game. But there is an unofficial one. There's an unofficial TTRPG uh, based on Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons with some retooling done to races and classes. Um, and also they renamed the stats to be more in line with the way they are in the games. Um. Because you have, like, Endurance instead of Constitution. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. Um, 
it, they also added the constellations where each player is born under a star sign and that gives you a special ability. It's basically just a free feat at level one. Um, it's a, I've, I've looked through it. It seems like a pretty solid setting guidebook to try and, if you want to play Dungeons and Dragons in the Skyrim, in Skyrim or in uh, Morrowind. I would probably use this because it tweaks the rules just enough to match the specific elements from the video games in the universe. And that's but, the thing for me is I'm like not invested enough in the Elder Scrolls universe or lore. I'd, I'd be like, can we, can we just go back to Icewind Dale, please? Yeah, see, my rationale for it would be use this game if you have friends who are super vested in... Skyrim, or if their primary experience of fantasy gaming is Skyrim, and you want to gateway game, and you want to give them a gateway TTRPG, if you're like, oh, you like Skyrim, well, why don't we play this Elder Scrolls game, this Elder Scrolls tabletop game? No, it's not just Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons with some of the names changed. D and D with the serial numbers filed off. I mean, yeah. The, the stats and everything and the racial abilities are all pretty much D&D with the serial numbers filed off. So that's helpful because if you know D&D or if any of your players are familiar with it at all, they will pick it up instantly. Um, and that, that can be quite helpful. I think they also probably changed the skill names to better reflect the um, skill names from the video games. And, uh, yeah, so what what can we say about the Elder Scrolls series? Um, take the license away from Bethesda. I, I don't know that, I don't know that. Um, I, I would say, I would say they better deliver on Elder Scrolls 6, um, which looks like it might be set in the Hammerfall region. Um, I feel like based on how the production of Starfield is going and the debacle that was Fallout 76, I don't have any hope. I would say don't pre-order, but also, like, we don't, we aren't going to know how Starfield is until Starfield releases. Also, right? just the fact that Bethesda's going, like, super heavy on, like, the video game scam economy... The thing that you buy on launch day is going to be like the shell of the game. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I am still trying to be hopeful for Elder Scrolls 6, whatever it may be. I really hope that they take a little more inspiration from Morrowind with like the setting. Because if it's set in Hammerfall, that is the current home of the uh, Red Guard people. Um, who have sort of an Arabic-African... North African. To them. Um, and there's a lot of interesting stuff you could do with that. And if it's really just like fantasy, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff you could do with that. And I hope they dig into that pretty heavily. Um, because that would be more interesting than just another standard fantasy game. Like I said, producers need to dig into African mythology and African fantasy and start drawing yes. some inspiration from that. Yes, and remember, they have curved swords. 
Uh, that's a that's a reference that went way over my head. I, that was in Skyrim. Uh, you run into it's been some, a while. Some of the guards like see red guard warriors that are out wandering around as part of a side quest, and they're like, "Oh my god, did you see those guys? Their swords were curved. Our swords are all straight." What a twist! Yeah. Um. Yeah. So hopeful, but also not gonna pre-order because <laughs> don't pre-order games. Don't pre-order games. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. In terms of like tabletop stuff, I don't know. Um. I, I feel like, like I said, not invested enough to really have an opinion. Yeah, not invested enough. I feel like they could... Uh, it, it would be cool if they started releasing some Morrowind-specific miniatures instead of just Skyrim ones. That, yeah, um, I'd buy those. But also, I think that they need new content before they can really do anything, and to create new content, you need a new game to come out, so... Yeah. Elder we'll Scrolls 7, Morrowind again. I mean... More Morrowind. It would be really cool if they finally made one that had the same scope as the MMO does and you can travel to all the provinces, but the amount of work required to do that at the level of quality you hope for from a game would be ludicrous and they don't want to do it. They'd rather do one highly detailed province with a lot of bugs. And you pay for it every month. Well, no, I mean, not pay for it every month. Like, is Starfield going to be a monthly subscription thing, or is it just a normal game? I think it's a normal game, but I, I just keep remembering that interview where Todd Howard was complaining about how you sell somebody Skyrim once, and you stop getting money from them. You sell somebody Skyrim once, and then you re-release it 12 times so that they buy it again. That was basically his reasoning on why they did it. Fucking Todd and Howard. why Fallout 76 was a, an MMO oust Todd Howard and put um, some of the people who worked on Morrowind back in charge. I don't think that'll work, obviously, because Todd Howard has made shitloads of money, so he will stay wherever he is. Professional grifter class. Yeah. So, that's The Elder Scrolls. We have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner, where we talk about a board game. And I didn't prepare one. Ah, I didn't prepare um, one either. Um, um, cribbage. Play, play Warhammer Bolt Gun. No, no, it's, we're talking it's about game cribbage. Adjacent. It's a board game. It's really. I can't remember a, the last time I played cribbage. My mom and my brother like to play it. It's dumb. I. It's too much math. Card <laughs> games should not be based around like calculating math and then moving little tokens around cribbage is dumb don't play cribbage um if you think cribbage is fun find a better game um so yeah, much for being non-judgmental and also the whoever said we were non-judgmental we're judge fucking dread up in here <laughs> i am the board game law hell yeah um so yeah don't play cribbage that's our board game recommendation for the week Yay, and we're also at, like, almost an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, we're, uh, this has gone a little long. Um, lots to talk about when the Elder Scrolls come in. So, Except as always, what the Elder Scrolls actually are. 
We never oh. talked about the Elder Scrolls themselves. All right, deep lore. The Elder Scrolls are... I don't know who wrote them, but uh, maybe they were always written. They are. God did it. One of the gods did it, perhaps? Yeah, they are literal scrolls that contain fragments of prophecy and or just raw magic shenanigans. Um, they are mostly held by the blind moth priests in the Imperial Capital. Um, although there are some in different locations, uh, they can do crazy magical things. Mostly it's just prophecy stuff. Yep. Um, and yeah. there you have it. And there you have it. Um, the moth priests have to be blind because reading these scrolls fucks you up. Worst job ever. Yes. It's not the greatest job. Um, now, uh, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. A like, rate, subscribe, share, podcast, tell your friends, shout it from the rooftops. Um, shoot arrows off into the knees of people with notes attached saying to listen to this podcast uh, <laughs> unless you hated it in which case um don't do any of those things just keep listening to it if you hate it find a different podcast yes um join a union support your local game store uh yeah ed you're do the things ed's gonna tell you to do uh you can follow me on instagram at anna madness uh, I'll actually be posting something because for the first time in forever, I finally finished a project here just as we were talking. Hooray! Hooray! Uh, donate to your local queer charities, your reproductive justice funds, uh, make Pride a riot again in a legally non-actionable way, um, sink Florida into the Gulf. Uh, I don't think I have any other good jokes. Uh, ban Texas from banning things. Just, just shove Texas out into the Gulf as well. We'll have a weirdly a weirdly shaped coastline. Very I, I angular. Mean, I think we give the northern parts back to the tribes whose land we took when we turned Oklahoma into a state. Mexico, if you're listening, have it Texas. Yeah, Mexico can take the southern chunks. The northern chunks get given back to the Native American tribes who um, should have had that land anyways. Yep. So, yeah. That's our plan for Texas. Yay. And as always, go Knowles. Go Knowles.